Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I think this might be my favorite episode of season one. I feel like I've said that before, but I really think this might be my favorite episode. I enjoyed this episode. Uh, This episode being episode seven of season one, The Fourth Sister. I think I might have liked Dead Man Dating just a little more. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, John Cho is obviously a better actor than anyone who's in this episode but i feel like this had a much stronger plot line yeah and i guess okay now you're gonna talk me into it i guess this storyline fits in more with kind of the theme of charmed whereas dead man dating was just a fun little digression well this does the thing that i wish charmed did more which sort of opened up the world of witchcraft by having the sisters have to deal with a witch who wasn't directly part of their family or evil. Although it did kind of slam that door shut at the end. Yeah, which I have questions about, but we'll get to it. So this episode was directed by Gilbert Adler, mm-hmm. who is mostly a producer. He's one of the producers that formed Dark Castle Entertainment, which is a production house. Ah. But he hasn't directed a lot. He directed like an episode of Tales from the Crypt this is the only episode of Charmed he directed. He directed a single episode of Fantasy Island. Like, not a lot of directing experience, and like I said, this is the only episode of Charmed he ever did. Well, we haven't really been talking about the cinematography a lot, but that's also because I feel like we haven't really had anything worth talking about since the first episode. Well, I... the only things that really stood out to me in this episode weren't even really on him. They were just two very bad special effects. Although, honestly, I feel like by Charmed standards, they were pretty good. Even, I was going to say even late Charmed, but especially late Charmed, because the special effects really don't get better in this show. Well, I don't mean poorly executed. I mean... Unnecessary? Badly designed. Like, we'll get to it when we get to it, but Callie in the mirror, when she's, like, huge and flaming, it's a little, a little much. Mm. It's a little extra. This episode was written by Edith Swenson, who wrote two other episodes of Charmed. Mm -hmm. She wrote The Wendigo. Uh. Yeah, that's, we'll be talking about that actually pretty soon. That's episode 12 of this season. And she also wrote When Bad Warlocks Turn Good. Oh, the first anti-charmed episode, the first anti-charmed ones episode we get. Yeah, where we get like. A mirror evil version of the Charmed ones. Yeah, three evil brothers. And I feel like that kind of fits in with the way this episode worked being about what is family and what constitutes the charmed ones so that makes sense to me that she also wrote that episode i'm kind of surprised that wasn't a theme that got revisited more i said the first of i was actually just gonna say i was gonna correct you and say i feel like the very second episode the i've got you under my skin was had it had three evil siblings we should have had the anti-charmed ones as a season big bad i know charmed doesn't work off season big bads like buffy but it would have been maybe a strong it should direct. have because i mean we have them uh we have we have the we have them them being the shapeshifters from the second third episode second episode uh-huh uh we have the upcoming three evil brothers uh and much, much, much later, we're going to have the three blondes. Oh, man. Well, also, I feel like you can kind of put Billy and her sister in that slot as well. Yeah, except, yeah, yeah, they are, they do kind of have that to them. Yeah. Although they're from the no one was even trying season, so that's why there's not a third one there. Yeah, yeah. 
they were short a sister. They're like, oh no, we're missing a sister. And they were like, eh. But Aviva is a really interesting concept. She's the focal character for this episode. And honestly, someone I wish that the show would have revisited later. I am sad that this is the only time we meet Aviva. I would have liked her to be a reoccurring character. But I guess we should get into it. Yeah. She could have replaced Jenny in season two. You remember Jenny from season two? Only vaguely. Yeah, she could have replaced Jenny. To quote uh, the producers of the show, we wrote Jenny out after we realized there was no reason for her to be there. Ouch. Ouch. And she got opening credits before a lot of characters who... We'll talk about Jenny when we get there. So the episode opens with a goth high school girl being a goth high school girl. Yeah, I actually wrote in my notes that Aviva looks exactly the way I wanted to look when I was in high school. Although, I mean, that's probably because she looks like she stepped out of the craft and that's how I wanted to look. She has a real slightly prettier Therusa bulk thing going on. Yeah, she's got like the black hair and the black goth makeup and the thin drawn on black eyebrows. Okay, I love what they did with her eyebrows. Because she's she's done the thing where she shaved off her eyebrows and drew them back on. Uh-huh. But she has one of them slightly arched. And honestly, it gives her this very good, dark but innocent vibe throughout the whole episode. Well, it gives her kind of resting sarcastic face, which just emphasizes how much of a teenager she is. Which emphasizes her innocence. I mean, honestly, everything about this character just fires on all cylinders right off the bat. This is a good character, yes. So she's doing what we like to see on this show, some practical magic. She's got she got her circle set up. She's got a circle of candles. She's facing a mirror, and she's calling forth her mentor. Maybe don't trust ladies who talk to you through mirrors. Yeah, now can we talk about who her mentor is? Callie. It's a sorceress named Callie. I do like, I feel like this isn't like the Hecate thing where she's supposed to be the goddess Callie, but they just bastardized it. This is probably just a sorceress who took the name Callie after the goddess of destruction. Which I think really works. And I love how much she's aping, I know this predates it a lot, but I love how much she's aping the white lighter aesthetic. Yeah, when she first appears in the mirror, she's got like... This soft white light behind her. She's blonde. She's blonde. Oh, she's blonde. And she's got a lot of the things we'll see with the lesser elders later in the show. Where she talks like how you would expect a good person to talk in a bad cartoon from the 90s. Yeah, she really does feel like that character. That character. Yes, she has contacted Aviva, who is a wannabe witch. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode, probably. She's been fostering a power in Aviva, which she's ready to take to the next level. And Aviva puts out her hands to accept this power. Her hands glow. And I'm really digging this opener. Her hands glow, and she's got this new power which she promises Callie she will use in the way that Callie tells her to uh Callie tells her to find Prue Piper and Phoebe and uh Aviva 
leaves the room without blowing out the candles, which, not great. Right? So much dangerous fire in this episode. Then Speaking of. Yes. Then, as soon as Aviva is out of the room, the, the soft blue lighting behind Callie in the mirror turns into fire, and her eyes glow yellow and red. And all I could think of was that line from The Simpsons where Homer says, you know, so that we know the dog is evil, every so often he'll shift his eyes like this. Like, we get it. We know that the woman in the mirror who's giving powers to the lonely teenage girl is evil. You don't need to have her literally start turning into fire. It just made me think of that one bit in Buffy where Ethan Rain starts giving his evil speech because he assumed Giles left. But Giles turns around and he's like, I'm still in earshot. And Ethan's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Which uh, the strongest parts of Buffy were when they subverted that sort of thing. Oh, uh, speaking of Lonely Teenage Girl, by the way, uh, we did find out in this scene that Aviva's mother is not able to take care of her for some reason. We'll find out in a couple scenes that she's in rehab. So Aviva's living with her aunt. Which, again, is a layer I like because you might think, okay, Aviva's being really stupid. She's trusting some random-ass spirit that appeared to her in a mirror. But the spirit is being engaging. She's asking her about her mother. She's being a maternal figure to a girl who really, really needs one. I mean, that's what predators do. They, they prey on people who need that connection. Yeah, and of course we have, you know, we're seeing red flags everywhere, but I can see a, a vulnerable teenager falling for this sort of thing. Like, it's the sort of thing that's easy to recognize when you're outside of it. Yeah, when you're not a vulnerable teenage girl. Also not helped by the fact that Aviva's support system is not great. Oof. We'll get into it. Yeah, we will talk about that. Meanwhile, Kit has gone missing. Kit Watch! Literally, it's literally Kit Watch. This is our first Kit Watch of 2020. Oh! Kit Watch 2020! So, Piper is creating posters looking for the missing Kit, but is distracted by Leo's big round ass. Yes, his denimed butt. You thought ass chat was just limited to our Farscape podcast, but it has spilled over into Charmed. Yep, yep. Uh, Leo is... Sticking his head up the chimney to look for Kit, which, okay, that's... I mean, it's gonna be a kind... He's like, sorry she's not there, but honestly, I don't think it would be a good thing if you found her there. Right? Right? Piper's back to the stringy bangs this episode. She was moving away from them for a while, which made me think that this may have supposed to have been earlier, but I don't know. I feel like Piper always has stringy bangs. So, reminder... God, it's this is so season one's charmed. Piper and Phoebe are still both competing for Leo's affections. Well, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty Leo for the ten seconds where he was a very very pretty man before he became less pretty. Yes, he was very attractive during the the early days of Charmed, which. Go back to uh, the first episode with Leo, where we talked about this in length. But also, it's been a while since we've seen Leo. Yeah, I know. I actually wrote that down. We haven't seen Leo in, I don't know, five episodes? I feel like he's introduced. Yeah, he's introduced in, like, episode three, and then he's just not there for a while. Yeah, like, we literally don't see him again after that until now. So, I don't know what he was doing. But he ignores the sisters, 
flirt fighting over him to go put up posters of Kit. His whole aesthetic is so 90s throughout this this entire episode, but he looks like... Remember when Liz and Chris are fixing up their apartment in 30 Rock, and she points out that they're both dressed like guys in 90s gay porn? So you're saying that Leo dresses like he's in a 90s gay porn? Or, I, mean, I suppose 90s porn in general. He is he is dressed like a handyman, and that's a very, uh... He's got kind of, like, really high-waisted jeans. And, with a tool belt. With a tool belt, and he's paired it with a too-tight shirt, and he does kind of... It is kind of a, you know, when TV shows or whatever have nurses and they're dressed in sexy nurse costumes instead of scrubs... It sort of looks like the handyman equivalent of that. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what it is. Although, that's assuming that you find mom jeans sexy. Well, I mean, they show off his, um, assets. They show off his orbs. (laughs) That's so bad. Weirdly, okay, so weirdly enough, they've dropped uh, Doran Gregory from the opening credits. That is weird. Like, he's not in the episode, but... Why would the opening credits not stay the same? That's weird. That's... I don't know what's happening there. Well, I just remember that, uh... Joss Whedon wanted Eric Balfour in the credits for the first episode of Buffy, so people would think that he was a reoccurring character before, you know, he gets killed off at the end of the first episode of Buffy, and they wouldn't let him do that. So it seems weird that they're changing the opening credits all willy-nilly this early on. It is unusual. It actually makes me wonder if this isn't some byproduct of us watching this on a streaming service if there hasn't been some editing of the credits. Maybe. Well, it seems weird that they wouldn't do it uniformly throughout the first season, though. It is weird. It is weird. So, Piper is pouring Leo a big, tall glass of milk. And she has made him a gigantic cinnamon roll. I mean, this just might be the pregnancy hormones talking, but I want that giant cinnamon roll right now. <laughs> do you want me to get you a cinnamon roll? Yeah, when we're done recording, let's go get some cinnamon rolls. Okay. So... Piper gives Leo the milk and cinnamon roll, and she's like, well, don't call me mom, which is playing off Phoebe pushing Piper as a mother figure onto Leo so he wouldn't want to bang her. I feel like Phoebe might not know men very well. Right, and definitely not this man. But Oh, God. Yeah. We'll get into Leo over the course of the next several years or so. Phoebe and Prue and Piper are all kind of gathered around Leo while he finishes painting the wall. He better look. He better look out. Remember what happened to that stripper last episode? Oh, they are looking at him with hungry eyes. Not Prue, but Piper uh, and Phoebe definitely. Phoebe has changed into a tank top with like spaghetti straps, and Piper kind of slut shames her about it. She's like, "Well, that's a." interesting outfit to be wearing at nine o'clock in the morning when you have nowhere to go but i mean that's how she dresses all the time yeah and i don't feel like a tank top is particularly dressy for being around the like it's not dressy at all it shows a lot of skin but it's not dressy yeah if she was wearing like a fancy dress or like a i don't know she's not dressed up though this is perfectly normal lounging around the house wear this is what I'm wearing right now for lounging around the house. That's true. You are wearing a uh, tank top currently. Also, we're going to get introduced to the reoccurring Leo thing this episode, where he shames all of the girls about their molding. Yeah, Leo has a giant 
boner for the house because it's super old and also he definitely had sex with their grandmother there once. Spoilers! Major spoilers. God, Leo is so creepy if you think about everything that retroactively gets inserted into his character later. I know. But yeah, he tells them when he's done painting the wall, he's going to fix up their molding. And Phoebe's like, oh, wait a second. You've got some milk on your face. She says, got milk? Oh. Yeah. It was the 90s, don't you know? But she she wipes off his face very sexily with, you know, her her hand. She actually uses her entire palm to do it, which is weird. (laughs) I I can't imagine that got the milk off. Just got milk all over his face. She just rubbed it into his face. Prue pulls her into the kitchen to yell at her about trying to sex up the man that Piper's clearly into. Yeah, and this goes... made me realize that she is the Angelica Schuyler of Charmed. God. Okay, so I thought we kind of left this behind, but it swings into this weird thing where Prue is still blaming Phoebe... For sleeping with her ex-fiance, Roger, because Phoebe's like, I'm not a boyfriend thief. You need to get over the whole Roger thing. And she's like, I'm not over the whole Roger thing. And you, and if I remember correctly, you got under Roger. Roger sucked. And also, why are you not believing Phoebe that she didn't sleep with him? It's weird that she's still not believing Phoebe. I don't like that. Yeah, especially considering the fact that Roger, you know, you know Roger was lying about your job like uh, you know roger's a liar why are why is this still a thing also why are you referencing roger that was 10 million years ago exactly well then phoebe defends herself she says i'm not a boyfriend stealer and piper reminds her of a time when they were in eighth grade and she kissed piper's boyfriend and okay so what's what's I might have to stop this podcast and Google this. What is the age difference of them supposed to be? Okay, so I think it's less than two years. Because, uh, because, let's see. No, it, it might be more than that. Because in the episode where they go back to the past, uh, their mom is pregnant with Phoebe, but Piper's old enough to run around and free stuff. I think she's at least a toddler. So there's at least a two to three year age difference between them. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out if Piper was 13 and she's accusing her 10-year-old sister of stealing her boyfriend when she's 13. I just, I don't think when they were writing this, anyone did the math. But to be fair, Reddit relationships didn't exist yet. And let me tell you, I've gotten really fast at doing relationship math since reading Reddit relationship. You know, where it's like, I'm 20 and he's 32 and we've been dating for five years. And you're like, hold up. <laughs> hold up. So, yeah. Piper's like, you have a history of do of doing this. Remember when I was in eighth grade and you used your breasts to steal my boyfriend at homecoming? Which, do, do eighth grade? I guess eighth grade is, a home, is when homecomings start. Oh, yeah, they totally do. Because cause you do school dances when you're in eighth grade. That's when you start to have them. But Phoebe was, like, at most 12 and probably less than... I mean, definitely less than that if we're believing, you know, the episode later when we go back in time. Yeah, so she was probably 10 or 11. Which... Uh... So, they move on from the weird slut-shaming of Phoebe to 
a really good sister moment where they're like, okay, look, we're both very attractive actresses in our 20s, so, and we're both young, so you know what? We're both just gonna flirt with him, and whoever gets him, gets him. It's just a friendly competition. Which, Phoebe clarifies, is war. Just a friendly (laughs) war. But it's nice, and again, they have really good sister chemistry. I can kind of see why these are the two actresses we have throughout the entire run of the show. Oh, I thought you were going to say it makes sense that these are the two actresses who, at least on social media, appear to still be friends in real life. Yeah, I can definitely see the two of them getting along in real life. Yeah. So we go into the next scene, and I wrote in my notes, oh my god, being a teenager is so hard. I think that might have sounded sarcastic. No, it's fucking hard. It's terrible. Seriously, it's the worst. It's at the point of your time, it's when you're in what has to be the most hormonal point in your life. And also you have just untold stresses. Yeah, it's like your brain is being flooded with all of these chemicals that are essentially making you high all the time. And you're being first introduced to responsibilities that you're told are going to impact the rest of your life. And you have to make major, major life decisions. Plus, you you have all of the responsibilities of adulthood with none of the power. Oh my god. Okay, so I don't know if our listeners know, but I used to teach middle school. Oh. Yeah. So one day I was in the cafeteria doing, like, cafeteria duty where you just stand there and make sure the kids don't kill themselves. Because, like I said, their brains are all being flooded with chemicals and they're essentially just all... Time bombs? Yes. Anyway, so one of the girls was talking to me, standing next to me and talking to me. Because you could see that there was drama happening at these three tables. People kept getting up and moving between the three tables. And she was telling me what was going on. She was like, she was like, well, Jane was messing around with Julie's boyfriend. And now Julie told Kevin that Jane, anyway. So she's like narrating the drama for me as I'm watching them all move between the tables. And I just like turned to her and I was like, Brittany, I would not be a teenager again if you paid me a million dollars. And she just went, well, that doesn't help me a lot right now and stormed away back to the table. Uh, I think about that a lot. Not to go back to Buffy, but you know, that one bit in Buffy where uh, after the second episode, if you count the first two episodes as one episode which you should yes but at the end of the the witch the episode in which one of buffy's friends is amy one of buffy's friends sure uh her mom uses magic to switch bodies with her oh yeah buffy goes to talk to joyce at the end of the episode and she's like would you like to be young again would would, if you had the opportunity to be a teenager would you and joyce is like oh my god no and Buffy hugs her and leaves, and Joyce is like, I, I don't get it. But, but it's true, right? And and I think that's an important lesson that that episode of Buffy the Witch mm. teaches us, which is don't trust any adult who romanticizes being a teenager. Yeah, like, I feel like I had a better time than most people do in high school. Like, I had a good enough time in high school. I had friends. I had fun. But, like, I wouldn't. I would not want to go back. It Like, college is a million times better than high school. I wonder if any of our listeners are teenagers. I don't feel like they are based on the interaction we get on social media, but just on the off chance that you are, like, not to be cliche, but it does get better. Oh, it, it does. A lot. A lot better. Also, why would Edward go back to high school if he could have gone to college? Which, well, I mean... 
Like, he died when he was 17, and people, as we know from what we do in the shadows, people aged more back then. To be fair to Twilight, though, would I say I would never go back to high school? No, no, I still wouldn't. I was gonna say, maybe if I didn't have to deal with all of the chemicals in my brain, and also I was immortal, and, like, when the teachers told me to do homework, I could just laugh at them, and know that there were no consequences for me, but that would just be boring, because... I mean, I don't want to be interacting because all of my social peers would be hundreds of years younger than me. Yeah, also that. Don't trust an adult who is wanting to be romantic peers with a teenager. Uh, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't have to say that, but I needed to hear that when I was a teenager. Yeah, also it does kind of come up a little bit in this episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that when it comes up. But uh, speaking of being a teen... But to bring the difficultness of teenagerhood back around to this episode, we see Aviva in her room writing her diary when her aunt, who is, who's taking care of her now, comes in. Her aunt Jackie. Okay, so you said you, you're definitely going to recognize this actor as soon as uh, she shows up. And I did, but I recognized her wrong. I thought she was Joyce's friend from Dead Man's Party and Buffy. But she's not. She's someone who will become a major character later in Charmed. Yeah, playing a different character. Playing a different character. This, um, right now, she's Aviva's Aunt Jackie, who is not doing a good job being a guardian. Oh, I know. It's weird, because Aviva wants to know how her mom is doing, and Jackie kind of brushes off her mom and says that she needs to learn to take responsibility and Aviva quite rightly says she's in rehab she's not she didn't do anything wrong she's sick and the show portrays this like Aviva's having a tantrum but that's right yeah like I I get that we're supposed to be on her side and normally Normally, I... Wait, who do you mean by her? Because I think the show wants us to be on Jackie's side. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like the show wants us to be on Jackie's side, and a lot of the time with media, like, you go back and you watch The Little Mermaid, when and she's like, Daddy, I love him, and you're like, okay, calm down, you're 16. I mean, even Disney is like, who marries someone they just met that day? Like, a lot of the time when you revisit stuff, you're like, no, but... In this case, no. I, I'm on Aviva's side. Aviva points out that Aunt Jackie hasn't co- hasn't called her mom once when she's been in rehab. And that, you know, maybe it would help her do better if she had support. Okay, so this is a little weird. Mm-hmm. But it actually does make a difference to me if Aunt Jackie is Aviva's mother's sister or her father's sister. You think father's sister? Yeah, if she's her father's sister, then I can get, like, holding a grudge. It's not right, but I get holding a grudge against the person that you feel like brought trouble to your brother. Yeah. But if she is Aviva's mother's sister, no excuse. She needs to be there for her and support her. And honestly, she should support her anyway, because theoretically she loves Aviva, and that's what's best for her, but... Yeah, I mean, I could get her cutting out Aviva's mom if Aviva's mom is a toxic person, I can see that this might be a necessary family separation, but you need to be there for Aviva. Well, I mean, the separation is necessary. Her mother's in rehab. But, as Aviva says, she's sick. She needs to. She needs support and help. If she's in rehab right now, how much success do you think she's going to have out of rehab if she doesn't have any family support? Hmm. 
Seriously. I mean, I know this is all fictional and we never <laughs> see these characters again, but I'm just like, I hope Aviva's mom has some support outside of Aunt Jackie that she can rely on when she gets out of rehab. But that's why this is a good episode. It's getting us engaged with characters, even though we know they never show up again. I mean, this character we never see. I'm like really worried about Aviva's mother, who we never see. Yeah, this is a really well-written episode. <laughs> so, so, did you know it's the 90s? Because it's the 90s right now. Oh my goodness, yes. The next scene takes place in a video store. Okay, in case there are any teenagers who listen to us. Mm. A video store is a place that you can go and rent physical copies of movies for short periods of time to watch in the comfort of your own home. Okay, so before digital media, you used to have a video cassette where... No, I'm not. Obviously, everybody knows video. Do they, they? though? I... I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. But there was this movie called uh, This Means War, which was about these two spies who were both after the same girl. Oh, I'm familiar with the movie. Okay, but the thing about this movie is it was in production for decades. I don't know why Hollywood kept it around, but it was being shopped around forever. And it came out in like 2010-ish. Uh-huh. But since it had been around for so long, a major, major plot point happens in a video rental place in 2010. Wow, that's too late. Do you remember Ethan Hawke's Hamlet? I do remember Ethan Hawke's Hamlet. You remember Ethan Hawke? I know. I was like, is that even the right name? So when he does his to be or not to be speech, I don't know if you remember this. He's in a Blockbuster video store when he gives that speech. Oh, Lord. Wait, wait. It's better. Honestly, I think this is a nice touch, even though I kind of rolled my eyes at it as a teenager when I was watching that movie. He's in a Blockbuster, but all of the genre headings have been changed to action. (laughs) That's that's cute. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, Andy and Prue are trying to decide which video to watch, which this whole thing is just aggressively 90s. Okay. Yes, it is definitely aggressively 90s, but also Prue is being really hostile. Like, I'm like, you're on a date that theoretically you wanted to be on, right? Why are you being so snippy and irritated right now? Also, you're just finding a movie to blockbuster and chill to. Right. Like, it's not that important. Andy's like, what about Lethal Weapon 3? And she's like, to be fair, that's a terrible choice. Like, what if she hasn't seen one and two? Oh, how will she ever catch up? But she's like, that's a, that's stupid. You're stupid. I hate you so goddamn much, Andy. She actually <laughs> tells him it's not romantic enough. And then she picks up double indemnity. And I was like, oof, nothing says romance like insurance fraud. God. It uh, is significant, I think, that Prue is in the room, not to like read too much into every frame of this tv show although that is kind of what we do Mm -hmm. but prue is in romance and andy is in action because he's trying to move the relationship forward and even though prue thinks she's in a place to do that she's not so she's like stuck in kind of she's she's stuck in this aisle she can't move to the action aisle because that's going to be their theme this episode and then we get my mvp extra is he an extra if he talks well he has lines so he's not an extra but your mvp very Under minor. five. Yes. All right. So this guy comes up to them. He works at the video store and he has the magic power to find the right movie for any couple. No, to be fair, when I worked in a video store, I walked around and did stuff like that all the time. It was what made the job fun. Yeah. 
And he describes it as video paralysis, which is still a thing in this, the year of our Lord 2020. Well, he calls it that, but there's an actual word for it, which is indecision paralysis. Hmm. When you have too many choices and you can't figure out what to watch. Honest to God, I would watch a... I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be like a 40-minute show. It would be like a sitcom about a guy who had the magic power to find the right video for anyone and worked in a video store. I would watch like a web series that was, a, you know, a period piece that took place in a video store. And then there was like the one guy, like the bellhop in four rooms, but it was really the stories of all the people who came into the video store. Like the TV show High Maintenance, which is about the pot dealer, but it's really the stories of all of the people he's dealing to, uh, except a video store. Yeah. See, my thought was that it would take place in a world where there were lots of people with magic powers, but most of them were just really low-key, like this one guy who could find the perfect video for anyone. Yeah, I like it. I'm there. I'm with that show. Okay, the, I would also watch that show. The movie that he picks for them is Body Heat. Which makes sense, right? It's romance, it's action, and it's I bet he wrote... softcore porn. Yeah, well, yeah, 90s. That's, uh... <laughs> That's that one with Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? No, no, no. That's True Lies. True Lies. Oh, no, no. Body Heat is basically just softcore porn. Uh, yeah. So that really appeals to both of them, and they both walk off to have... I bet he recommends that video to, like, every, every couple. Every couple. Yeah. If a couple can't choose a movie, it's probably the one that's going to do it. Yeah. It's like, you can't suggest Indecent Proposal which is kind of the sex genre that it's in mm. because there's because indecent proposal is just the sex body heat theoretically also has a thriller plot so it's got plausible deniability right like indecent proposal is just playboy without the articles what's the one where sharon stone is just showing her vagina all the time that's basic instinct and she does it once also that one is homophobic oh god i i mostly know it from the uh, snl sketch with amy poehler where it's basic instinct too this time it's just the vagina and it has her sitting in a uh, man spreading thing and she's like what do you want to know <laughs> amy poehler makes it work wow i i think of um loaded weapon which was the lethal weapon parody was it leslie nielsen or was it no charlie but it was sheen? It, it was charlie sheen because those were the only two who did that sort of thing. There was hot no, shots. No, 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 it wasn't Charlie Sheen. You know who it was? Who? Emilio Estevez. Oh, the guy you get when you can't get Charlie Sheen. Well, he's Charlie Sheen's brother. Uncle. No, Emilio Estevez is Charlie Sheen's brother. Oh, I thought he was... He just didn't change his name. Charlie Sheen did. I thought he was Martin Sheen's brother. No, he's Martin Sheen's son. Oh, now I have to... Okay, if I'm wrong, don't cut this, but I'm going to check now. Emilio... Yeah, no, no, he's, he's Charlie Sheen's brother and he's Martin Sheen's son. Oh. Yeah, it's just that Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen changed his name, Charlie Sheen kept the Sheen, Estefes was their, is their actual name. Oh, huh. Yeah. Weird. Well, good to know. So... He does kind of look like a discount Charlie Sheen. He does. But I think we should think of him as the superior one since, to my knowledge... No, that's the thing about Emilio Estevez. He's like... Charlie Sheen without all the problematic aspects, as far as we know. Oh, I was going to say he's like... I don't want to say salt, because you can overdo salt. But the thing is, like, he's in enough stuff, just enough. He's a good actor. You know what you're getting with him. He's like... Rice. 
He's like rice. He adds stuff to a meal. You probably don't want it all by itself, but it's always a welcome addition. Oh, okay, okay. Whereas Charlie Sheen is not rice. <laughs> Loaded Weapon also had Dennis Leary in it. He's also not rice. That was one of those movies that for some reason I watched too much when I was a kid, which is weird because it's a movie that's a direct parody of a bunch of movies in a way that, you know, as a 12-year-old I hadn't seen all of these movies, but I still knew enough to know all of the jokes. I, well, I, I can't talk. One of the movies I really liked when I was 12 was Josie and the Pussycats, which I will still stand up for. That's a gr- that that is nothing like my story. Josie and the Pussycats is an amazing movie, and twelve is the perfect age to watch it. Uh, although also, little little problem with homophobia, not huge. I don't actually remember anything. The, with... the fake boy band. I remember there is a fake boy band that has Turk from Scrubs in it. I remember that Turk from Scrubs is in it. They're called. I think they're French from Take Me from Behind is the name of the boy band. No, no, no. They're called Menage à Trois. Oh, they are? I thought it was... I thought there was some gay, weird gay joke with them. No, 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 no. It's it's not. It, it's not. Um, hold on. Oh, no. They're called du jour, as in, like, the flavor of the moment. But their song is called Backdoor Lover, which... <sighs> okay, I didn't take to be a gay thing. I just took it to be anal sex innuendo, devoid of gender implications. Hmm. But they're all kind of... But I see now how it could, since... It's a boy band. I can I can see it, but I didn't take it that way. I see it though. Yeah, well, they're they're all kind of a feat. Well, I mean, they're they're '90s boy band guys. I I feel like they were just fulfilling the stereotype of '90s boy band guys. Yeah. Oh God, Alan Cumming was so. Everyone was good in that movie. Oh, we were Parker Posey in that movie. Yeah. Even Tara Reid is great in that movie. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't push her too hard. Uh, it's it's like those those movies that are kind of written around or TV shows that are written around one of the actor's inabilities, like how like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes, like that. Where they cut. Okay, I mean this is just a fun thing about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. In the Rocky Horror Show, the stage show version of Rocky Horror Picture Show, the one that came first, Rocky has lots and lots of lines. He has monologues explaining what's happening, and in the movie. Because the actor was so terrible, they cut all of his lines, but they didn't give them to anyone else. They just left all this stuff unexplained. But, I mean, it, I think it worked. And, I mean, they hired the guy because he was a bodybuilder, not because he was... I know. I mean, were the 70s just starved for muscular guys? Like, they could have never made the Marvel movies in the 70s. It's true. I, I saw this thing where they're like, you know, and if... In like 20 years, we're going to have no comedic actors because they're all dead because it turns out the Marvel workout diet thing causes super cancer or something. Seriously. Well, I mean, it's very, it doesn't have to cause super cancer. It's really hard on your body and it's really hard on your heart. Well, I was, there, there was that actor, uh, Godfrey Gao, who died pretty recently. Oh, yeah. And I wondered if it was like, because he's... He's a super ripped guy, and he died of heart complications, and it made me wonder. Well, the stress you have to put on your body to become that jacked, because it's not natural. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are outliers, I'm sure there are some people for whom it is natural, but it's not generally natural. So the stress you have to put on your body to look like that, it's not good for you. It's not healthy. Well, that's one of the things whenever people talk about, you know... Whenever people are criticizing overweight people and they're like, oh, you know, like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just thinking about your health. I'm like, do you know how 
like you know how early professional wrestlers and football players die your body is not supposed to be you don't you don't i'm just saying you don't see them going to bodybuilding farms and going like i'm just worried about your health well i mean we all know that's trolling i mean those of us in like fat activism we all know that's just trolling that concern trolling for your health but also as long as we're as long as we're bringing up facts the bmi most closely associated with health issues is not obesity or overweight it's being underweight so just throwing that fact out there charmed charmed is a show so meanwhile not at a video store aviva is asking callie if she can you know join the hallowells now she she doesn't know how much longer she can stay in this house it's just she needs to get out she needs to get out callie she really wanted to the thing callie promised her was that she could join the hallowells coven because she really wants sisters and family and callie's like you know what yeah now's time why don't you bring their cat back Yep, it turns out that Aviva has been hiding their cat in her closet for however long it's been missing. I really like the actress who plays Aviva. I do too. I'm really disappointed she didn't end up really doing much else. She did a horror movie with Leo. Speaking of, Leo is buffing Piper's... Molding. Oh my. Yep. Okay, so when Piper saunters down to talk to him... I just want to point out, she theoretically put on her sexiest outfit just the way that Phoebe did. But her sexiest outfit is a taupe sweater set. Okay, so I love this because I don't know if Piper knows it, but she is really appealing to Leo's sense in women. And also, I like that she's setting herself up as a contrast to the bombastically sexual Alyssa Milano, Phoebe, by being like, sexy good girl outfit i mean yeah it's just i i mean taupe is not a color that looks particularly great on holly marie combs it looks fine i mean she's she's still a beautiful woman it it's it's kind of the color of her skin so it kind of washes her out a little bit yeah it's not terrible it's just not flattering on her but it's just like sweetie go to your closet and find something that's not beige find a statement piece get a pop of color anything no uh, she's doing the right thing to attract leo though also to be fair i think i did own this sweater set in the 90s as i as i mentioned on our first podcast there were a lot of sweater sets in the 90s so leo is doing that thing where guys don't know when women are flirting with them because he just keeps on talking about how much he wants to bang their house yeah he he doesn't want to paint the molding the way she wants him to because that just wouldn't be right. He wants to strip it down and then refinish it. I mean, to be fair, I'm kind of on Leo's side here. I mean, they're the bosses, so he should do what they say, but it, I think it looks much better as just wood than it would. Yeah, it's true. But your argument is that, but you're coming from an aesthetic argument. His argument is, it's the original molding. You have to keep it like this. Ugh. Thanks, 2017 Beast from Beauty and the Beast. And then Piper tries to make a food analogy. She's like, oh, like trying to cook risotto with minute rice, which is a good analogy. And also, I don't think you can. Yeah, I mean, risottos, you need all day to cook risotto. Well, also, I think like whatever chemical thing they do to minute rice to make it cook in a minute, like I don't I don't think you can physically cook it down to risotto. Yeah. So meanwhile, someone knocks at the door and it's Aviva with the cat. 
Piper tells Leo that they need to clear out soon because Prue's going to bring Andy home and bang him all over the house. Yeah, they're going to go see a movie together. Yeah. So, Phoebe, Phoebe expresses surprise that Kit let Aviva hold her. Yeah, this is a thing which I wish had carried through to more of the show. It does come up a few times. That Kit can sense evil. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they all need to chill out for the rest of this episode about Aviva. Yeah, I mean, that's how we knew uh, Leo was good. Leo leaves the girls to talk to Aviva, and Phoebe presses her breasts up at him as he goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as we're talking about Phoebe, too, I have to point out, because she's still wearing that spaghetti strap tank top. How much you can see her back tattoo. How much you can see her back tattoo. They tried to cover it with makeup, but... Which I'm sure was fine in SD TV. Sure. I mean... Let's just be nice and assume that. Mm. Sorry to keep interrupting you. Just let her be tattooed. Seriously. I mean, it works for... She is a reformed rake. Yeah, exactly. Or the sister equivalent thereof. Bad girl. Yes. She's a reformed bad girl. So Prue and Andy show up, and Prue is so pissed off because everybody said that they were going to be out of the house. And... Phoebe's like, yeah, we were all on our way out when this girl came and she found Kit. And Prue's like... Oh, and they were all on their way out, by the way, because Phoebe totally invited herself to go to the movies with Piper and Andy. Leo. With Piper and Leo. Oh, underhanded. But also, what else is she going to do? Yeah, it's true. And they tell Prue, hey, this girl showed up with our cat. Remember our cat that was missing? And Prue's like, yeah, that's great. Get the fuck out of my house. And the, and Aviva's like, wait, I need to talk to you about Wicca. And y'all, Andy is right there. And at this point, I don't even care about Prue's bad behavior. I'm mad at Andy. Yeah, Andy is so huffy about that. Well, he's, he's huffy because Prue has brushed him off after every date. Tell, after, in the middle, Prue has brushed him off in the middle of every date telling him that something's come up and she can't talk about it and it's an emergency and she's really sorry. And he can tell that this is happening again. But I'm annoyed with Andy because he knows what Wicca is and he's seen magic. If if he doesn't know what's going on at this point, he doesn't want to know. Yeah, he is quite possibly the stupidest man on earth. We've really turned a corner on Andy. Remember how much we liked him in the first few episodes? Well, but the reason we liked him is because he wasn't burying his head in the sand about what was obviously happening if he's gonna do that now with prue then i'm gonna turn on him okay is this is this why daryl isn't in this episode did did andy somehow absorb daryl's scullyness oh yes i was gonna say denial powers but yeah andy's being a real douche here also you and prue very recently went away for a weekend oh yeah they did you are spending plenty of time with prue calm down yeah, so you're, you're, you're coming off real Ross season three here, mm. Andy. Uh, yeah, that's true. Is it the hair gel? Yes. Yes, the more hair gel he puts in his hair, the more he becomes Red Ross. Red Ross, Red Ross. <laughs> the girls tell him to go talk to Leo so that they can talk to Aviva, which I bring up because this is the only time in the entire series that Leo and Andy interact. Mm-hmm. And according to some trivia that I read on the internet. All right. So I'm not 100% sure this is true, but I have no reason to think it isn't. Piper, Phoebe, and Leo are the only characters who interact with every main character on the show. But only because this one scene is here, because this is the only scene where Leo interacts with Andy. 
I was going to say, I was going to say Daryl, because I was, I'm like, what about Daryl? Except Daryl's not in the last season. So Daryl never interacts with Billy. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. I'm on board this. I I had my doubts, but yeah. It's, well, it's, it's fun to have trivia like that. Like, you know who the only characters are who appear in the first episode of Buffy and the last episode of Angel? Angel and Harmony. Angel and Harmony. I love that Harmony is in the first episode of Buffy and the last episode of Angel. That she opens and closes the Buffy universe. Oh, Harmony opens at the close. So the three sisters are trying to force Aviva out of the house, but Aviva uses her heat powers to make the Jiffy Pop Andy's holding pop. Yes, I kind of love that. And Andy just looks at it like, what is happening? And so quickly, Piper freezes time, and uh-oh, Aviva doesn't freeze. Okay, we need to talk about this. About the fact that Aviva doesn't freeze? Okay, because as we understand it, the people who freeze in Charmed, demons, warlocks, mortal people. Also, presumably sorceresses, which is what Sorcer- Callie gets called, which yeah. I am g- guessing is like evil witch yeah the one kind of person we know does not freeze good witches so aviva must be a good witch even though by the logic of this show she should be a warlock well no she's a sorceress by the logic of this show okay oh okay because callie's not a demon no if she'd got her power from a demon, she'd be a warlock. But since she's getting it from another magic user... Right. Now, she's theoretically... Because we saw her touch the mirror and get the powers and the palms of her hands, right? Mm-hmm. So, theoretically, any magic she has, she's borrowing from Callie. But the fact that she doesn't freeze when Piper freezes them means that she has her own innate power. Because Callie would be frozen and Aviva is not. And honestly, it would make sense that she had her own power and that's why Callie contacted her. Right. Or she was able to accidentally contact Callie. Yeah. So you're right. This is a well-written episode because I'm, like, giving Aviva this backstory where she, like, accidentally summons Callie and then Callie takes advantage. Which, again, it's why Aviva should have come back because this is a really interesting story. Especially because Aviva's going to talk in a few minutes about really liking mirrors. So I can see her experimenting with, like, mirror magic. And we know that Callie was trapped in mirrors, so that would be perfect for her to, to establish a connection that way. Yeah. But anyway, Aviva's not frozen. Uh, And Aviva tells them, yeah, I'm not frozen because I am also a witch. And the girls are just so confused. Like Andy, way more confused than they should be. You've been doing this for a while. And I do love that Aviva compliments Piper on her power. She's like, that's so cool. And uh, Piper apparently has got her powers way more... Not under control, but she understands them a lot better because she's like, guys, we have 20 seconds before they unfreeze. Do you think she can, like, feel an unfreeze coming? I think she can feel an unfreeze coming. And Aviva's like, look, I'm a witch too. I want to talk to you about witch stuff. And Prue's like, get the fuck out of here. We hate you. Like, she's being really mean. Yeah, she's like, get out. Get out of my house. And Aviva's like, fine. And she melts the videotape in uh, Prue's hand. Yeah. This annoys me so much. Like... This should be what they do. They should be mentoring young witches. Yeah. I hate, I hate that they're not taking care of Aviva. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, this episode really needs Prue to be kind of a huge dick to work. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's not as much plot if Prue isn't being terrible. But yeah, Aviva storms out. 
time unfreezes and Andy and Leo are like, what the fuck just happened? Especially because Andy's got, like, an exploded Jiffy Pop now. And then there's this weird editing bit where Prue's, like, she just... And then she closed her eyes and there's this weird zoom in on her. She used her telekinetic powers to make the door slam. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she's, like, she just telekinesis left. Yeah. So, Aviva goes back to her room. She resummons Callie. She's, like, Callie! They were so mean to me. It wasn't what you said it would be. And Callie's like, my child, I'm so sorry. I forgot that Prue is such a heinous bitch. And which, fair. And Callie tells her, like, look, you need to seek out, you need to seek out Phoebe. She will understand you. She's like you. And and she'll be your way into the family. And they will all love you once you're there. She's right. Like, like Callie is, Callie's giving her this advice because she, she wants to infiltrate the Charmed Ones, essentially. This is her plan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the way to do it. Go through Phoebe. Phoebe's the one who will be sympathetic. And this is why Callie works as a good antagonist, because she's not being upright evil. And she's not, you know, you'll have to kill Prue if you want to get... No, she's like, look, be friends with Phoebe. That'll get you into the family, and then you'll have this support system. But she is. She's pushing Aviva one step at a time until Aviva's going to do something terrible. So the next day... Okay, I don't... Prue get... com- I'm sorry. You go. You say, it, you say it first, and then I'll say it. I don't get why Prue stopped their date from happening. I mean, the videotape melted, but you could... The videotape was a pretext. Yeah, like, they, everyone else was still leaving to go to the movies. You still could have had your date with Andy. You didn't have to debrief about the weird girl. You could have all just gone on with your lives. Seriously. Okay, that isn't what I was going to point out. What, what were you going to say? Prue's wearing the same shirt that they shaded Phoebe for earlier. Except it's pink instead of blue. But it's a spaghetti strap tank top. For just hanging around the house. Hmm. I just... It, it's kind of wild. So, Andy is being, to be fair to Prue, who's being an awful, awful person, Andy is also being a giant whiner baby. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm in, the reason I'm annoyed with Andy is because he hasn't figured out what's going on. He has all of the information he should need to know what's going on, so I'm annoyed at him for not knowing what's going on. But, given that he doesn't know what's going on, I'm not annoyed at him for being mad at Prue for pushing him out. That's true. I just wish he was doing it in a less whiny way. Yeah. Well, Prue invites him over to watch the movie tonight, although then she looks over so that we remember that the videotape is melted. Oh, yeah, she's going to have to pay fines for that. And it's the 90s. This is when you had to pay huge fines when you lost the video, so. Yeah. So, uh, Phoebe and Piper come in as Prue is doing some laundry, which is really good busy work. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a good thing. It's a good uh, thing to have actors and actresses doing when they're having a discussion. Charmed does a really good job with having the characters doing things while talking. It gives the show this real kinetic, natural feel. Yeah, it feels real, and it's not. It's not super obvious. It's it's not showy in a way that draws attention to itself, like walking and talking. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, it's good stage business. Yes, yes. So. They're talking about Aviva and, like, what if she's a warlock? Oh, but she wasn't frozen, so she must be a witch. Oh, then she must be an evil witch. 
So if they didn't have this conversation after they kicked Leo and Andy out... Why did they kick Leo and Andy? Well, Piper's the one who points out her freezing only doesn't work on good witches, so they know she has to be good. Phoebe also points out that she is just a child. Yeah, she's like a literal child, Prue. Maybe back down. And again, uh, this is good subtle character work because... For Phoebe. For Phoebe. Prue's being not good. They need to... Well, they need someone to play off, but Phoebe's like, look, sometimes you need a good support system or you start making worse and worse decisions and Prue's like that didn't happen to me so obviously it's not a real thing yeah Prue and Piper leave and I can only assume that Callie was scrying on them to know the exact moment that Phoebe was going to be alone because as soon as she is Aviva calls and asks to meet up with her and it's pretty great because I mean this is not a good look on you Phoebe this is not something you should be doing She's hanging around outside the schoolyard talking to Aviva through the chain link school fence. I mean, it's fine. It's an old, She's got an older sister vibe. It's fine. And Aviva, and she asks, she asks Aviva, like, look, she's talking to Aviva and she's like, look, we should talk about our witchcraft together. When does school get out? And Aviva slips the fence and she's like, now. And she she says, I'm sure you cut classes a thousand times when you were a kid, which is also true. Yeah, yeah. Phoebe's like, oh, I don't have the moral high ground. You don't need the moral high ground when you're an adult. Eh. So at Quake, Leo shows up to... Leo shows up in a 90s-ass jacket. I don't know why that jacket strikes me as so 90s. Because it's so beige. It's such a pale color. So he wanted to see Piper and talk to her about her molding. I'm not kidding. That's actually what he's there to talk about. Yes. But first he's all impressed with the restaurant. He's like, this is your restaurant? And she says, no, I just run it. Actually, I used to be the chef. Okay. Let's unpack that a little bit. Aren't you still the chef or are you just running the restaurant? So you're managing now. Which? Who, Who is cooking? What is going on? How is it that you were hired to be a sous chef and then you became the manager? What is going on? Well, she became the manager because the head chef quit. So he was also the manager. He was the head chef and the manager. Those are two different jobs. I mean, I guess we've, I guess we found out why she pivots into owning a club later. It's very strange. Very strange. So... Piper talks about how good it is that he was able to come here instead of the house because... Because she wants to talk to him away from Phoebe, but Leo only wants to talk about his stains. He brought her a bunch of samples that are time period appropriate for the house. Nerd. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, are you hungry? I could whip something up for you. And he's like, oh, I get it. You're really into food. He tells her that in Mayan culture... The cook was the second person in the hierarchy, second only to the medicine man. Dear Lord. First of all, I I didn't look it up, but I'm sure that's not true. But also, we know, obviously, the show hasn't told us yet, but you and I know, and I'm sure 90% of people listening know, that Leo is actually an angel. He is a white lighter. He's a person whose job it is to follow witches around and heal them when they get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Which means that Leo is a medicine man. So he's just making sure to establish, at least in his own mind, even if Piper does not know that that's what he's doing, that he is first and Piper is second. 
boy, I, are might, you... I might be reading too much into this. I was going to say, boy, are you misreading this relationship, Leo, if that's what Leo is thinking. <laughs> that too, which we am sure we will get to in depth over the next few years. There was a pegging joke I very conspicuously did not make earlier in this episode, but one that very much does apply to how their relationship goes down later. Oh, no. So, here, right, I am good at food. Food is my thing, not Phoebe's thing. Her thing is being a lesbian. Speaking of 90s homophobia, what, like... I mean, is it homophobia? It's, it's... It is, it is. Trying to get somebody to back off of your romantic rival by lying about their sexuality, I feel like, if nothing else, that's homophobic adjacent. I was about to say, I think it's homophobia adjacent, but... Ugh. So, Phoebe, by the way, I don't want to be gross, but Phoebe is wearing a... Turtleneck. A mock turtleneck. A sleeveless mock turtleneck. Yeah, it's a very breast-focused outfit. When you have large breasts... It's hard to not have breast-focused outfits. Yeah, mock turtlenecks are actually great because everything else kind of gapes and shows too much cleavage, but the... It also makes them look even bigger than they are. Yeah, I I was supposed to say she looks kind of like a Butch Hartman character. I don't know who that is. The Fairly Odd Parents Dexter's Lab guy. Oh, okay. He tends to have mom characters that are voluptuous. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, let's not get into Butch Hartman. But... Phoebe uh, brings Aviva into the drawing area. Yes, the conservatory, she says, which is what we were calling the sunroom. Yes, the conservatory, where Kit is waiting for them. And Kit is super cool with Aviva, so we know that Aviva is a good person. Right? She talks about how she has this teacher, this high priestess who's explaining magic to her and told her that the Hallowell sisters were witches and sent her to seek them out. And then she offers to show Phoebe, you know, some of her magic that this high priestess has taught her. She wants to go up to Phoebe's room. Okay, so I know this isn't the reading we should get off off of this, but I am getting sort of a... I feel like Aviva might have a little bit of a thing for Phoebe. Like a little crush. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of her, is she's talking about how cool Phoebe is and how pretty Phoebe is and how she bets Phoebe was a lot like her when they were young and she wants to go to Phoebe's room and there's... Okay, yeah, I can see that, but the reason she wanted to go to Phoebe's room is because she assumed, rightly, that there would be a mirror in there. Yeah, so she could do the summoning thing. But I feel like Aviva might have a little bit of a crush on Phoebe. That's okay. It's probably true. Yeah. And, like, it's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing if Phoebe acted on it because Phoebe is the adult in this situation. Which she does not. Which she does not. So, it's good. Yeah. But, again, why I would like to see more of Aviva in this show, it feels like this could have been a really cool avenue for them to explore. Having, especially the three of them being relatively new to witchcraft but having to deal with someone who they're taking under their wing yeah especially somebody who was kind of more enthusiastic about magic but kind of didn't understand life yeah that would be yeah especially i feel like it's not something you see a lot having to be a mentor to someone when you yourself are fairly new to something yeah and i mean they've played with the dynamic of like prue having to be a mother to 
Piper and Phoebe. So it would kind of be adding to that dynamic. Yeah, and it gives Phoebe a chance to relate to Prue because she would, you know, have... Not be the youngest anymore. No, because she would have this dynamic with this new person that Phoebe probably had with Prue when they were younger. Right. Yeah, because she, she, she wouldn't be the baby. She would be responsible for another human. Yeah. Yeah. When she's too young to be. Exactly. Oh. I'm sorry. It's just this episode is too good. It's too good, <laughs> y'all. Up in Phoebe's room, before they start, Aviva refreshes her makeup. She puts on another layer of black lipstick, which I really liked because the idea that you would do something like that kind of ritualistically before you started a spell just rang really true to me. I really do like the ritual. I'm not a makeup person myself, but I do kind of like the ritual nature of makeup stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I mean, applying makeup before you start a ritual as part of the preparation for a ritual, I, it resonates with me. Yeah. So... What doesn't resonate with me anymore, but unfortunately I I remember it, is the not-like-other-girls-ness that Aviva displays. She talks about how she likes black, and that Phoebe probably likes black, too, like their souls, because they're not pink girls. Which I bring up, because let's remember that Prue in this episode today is wearing a pink tank top. Ah. Yes. Speaking of Prue, they're about to get started when Prue bursts into the house and she's like, I hope nobody's doing anything even remotely fun anywhere in this house. Yeah, upstairs in Phoebe's room, Aviva transfers some of the magic from her palms into Phoebe's palms. I do like, she's got the mirror set up kind of to the side of Phoebe and she like gets the okay from the mirror before transferring some of her power into Phoebe. And she gives Phoebe heat transference. And Phoebe uses it to make a flower grow. It's it's a very neat moment. Yes. She says that it's sun power, that basically now she has a little bit of the power of the sun's heat. Which, I guess she burned out just doing that flower trick. Yeah, I would assume. Then Prue bursts into the room and is like, what the hell is happening here? And I like that Aviva assumes that phoebe would respond like a teenager like phoebe's an adult now so she might have a fight with prue and she will have a fight with prue but aviva's like get out of her room like a teenager like yes. it's a really good distinction because what aviva's probably like 18 and phoebe's probably like 20 we know she's not 21 yet right no no she told uh she told her dad she was barely old enough to drink okay so she's just 21 Viva at the oldest is 18, but it's like, so they're close in age, but it emphasizes how important those three years are. Oh, yeah. So Andy shows up at the door. Because they've got a date. Remember, this is their makeup date. Yeah. And Phoebe comes running down the stairs and is like, Prue, wait, I can explain. And Andy's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And, okay, Prue. You really have no reason to... Uh, you know what? I wasn't on Andy's side at the beginning of this, but you you were canceling these dates for no reason. She's like, go away, I'll meet you at Quake tomorrow. Why? There's not immediate danger. Just tell you know, Phoebe and Aviva to get out and then have your have your sex date. Yeah, you know, you know that Aviva's not an evil witch because the freeze didn't work on her. I mean, she doesn't. She still thinks Aviva is evil, but that's because she's in, like... 
suspicion mode because this episode needs her to be. Although it is a good character note that carries through with Prue until her eventual death in season three, especially when it comes to Cole, which, to be fair, it's Cole. Yeah. So Aviva goes back to her house. She goes back to her room. She's like, Callie, what the fuck? And Callie's like, I'm sorry. I know you have to keep trying. And... And Jackie bursts in and is like, I heard you skipped school. And Aviva's like, get out of my room! Like, just like she was. We get a real Emma Frost Firestar moment where... Okay, okay, not really though. Okay, so, so Jackie is like, what is this witchcraft shit? Because don't forget, this is the 90s. So all witchcraft is Satanism because we were kind of in like a mini satanic panic in the 90s. Mm, A rebound satanic panic. Yeah. So she's like, what the fuck is this? And Aviva points at her and is like, get out. And then you see that Callie like hypercharges her point so that it causes the flame to leap off of the candle onto Jackie, who then stumbles out of the bedroom and flings herself into the wall and falls down the stairs. Yeah, okay, I'm kind of putting this on Jackie. Like, you, you, she, she, she patted the fire out and then she flung herself into a wall and flung herself down the stairs. By the way, I just want to uh, give props to the posters on Aviva's wall, which are respectively live monsters and creepy crawlies <laughs> it's it's very it's very cute goth it's yeah it, well done art department well done so the emts are wheeling away aunt jackie to rebuild her into a lease for later seasons do 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 we can we can rebuild her we, we have, have the, the technology, technology. And Aviva, after Jackie is wheeled out, just goes back to her room. And I love Callie, like, so what did you tell the police? Okay, Aviva says that she told the police that Jackie's dress caught on fire, she freaked out and fell down the stairs. And here's the thing. That's that's, what happened. That's what happened. I mean, this is really, this is really Callie isolating Aviva by making her feel guilty when, honestly... She did not do anything wrong. Yeah. But she tells Aviva that she has to go back to the Hallowell Manor and get them on her side. And also that she needs to take care of Prue. And then she can take Prue's place and be the third Hallowell sister. Or, I mean, she would be the third Hallowell sister. Although the ep- although this episode's title is, of course, the fourth Hallowell sister. Yeah, she is talking around killing Prue. She's like, you have to take her place. You need to use your powers to force Prue out, which, I mean, this is this might be pushing a little hard, but Aviva is wicked easy to manipulate, so. She's a teenager. So she goes to uh, the Hallowell house and she's like, I don't know what to do. My Aunt Jackie fell down the stairs and I don't know who... I could, who's going to yell at me and abuse me and ignore my emotional needs now? And Prue's like, it's okay. I'm here for you. She tells the sisters that she didn't see Jackie fall, that she just heard her scream and fall and she called 911. I don't know why she didn't tell them what she told the police, which is the truth. Yeah, that Jackie burst into her room, accidentally caught on fire and fell down the stairs, which is literally exactly what happened. It's just... It, this just gives, I mean, it doesn't happen, but all this does is give her the opportunity to be found out when the girls find out that that's not the story. So, Prue 
despite what I said, actually is not super big on having a Vivas Day because, you know, troubled teenagers need to be isolated for all of our protections, but... Yep. But, but she gets overruled. Aviva is staying with them, and that night, Callie comes to her in her mirror and tells her now is the time to go take care of Prue. Again, I like the dynamic that's built up here. Piper backs up Phoebe, but Phoebe's like, no, she needs help. She needs someone to look out for her. She doesn't say it, but, you know. That's what it is. She's trying to be the person that Phoebe, Phoebe is trying to be the person that Phoebe needed when she was younger. So, yeah. When Prue was trying to be a disciplinarian, which is sort of. This is the effect, by the way, that I alluded to earlier in this episode that is bad. When Callie comes to talk to Aviva in the mirror once Phoebe falls asleep. Instead of her standing in the mirror like she usually is, it's just a super close-up on her face, like glowing red. Why? Why? We already know what's up with Callie. You don't need to... You don't need to keep on reminding us. What? It just looks silly. I'm just laughing at this effect now. So Aviva goes down the hall and she finds Prue's bedroom, but before she can go in, she gets caught up by Piper and has to lie and say she was just looking for the bathroom. Uh... And Piper's suspicious. Yes, Piper gets that, wait, maybe she is out to get us look in her face. But then we go to the next morning. Where Alyssa Milano is changing a light bulb. Yeah. Again, really good stage business. And Prue says that she's going to go to the hospital and talk to Aviva's aunt. Let, let her know where Aviva is. And also, this is not said, but implied. Find out if Aviva is the omen or not. Yeah, and, and Aviva says, like, tell her I love her. Well, Aviva knows what's up. Yeah. Like, she doesn't really, she, she doesn't really mean that one. So, Prue goes to talk to Aunt Jackie. And Jackie's like, wait, I don't understand who you are taking care of Aviva. She doesn't have any friends or family or people who care about her. Yeah, she's such a sullen brat. Who could ever possibly care about her? And I'm like... Seriously? Also, like, it's not like Jackie was in a coma or something. Was she not concerned about where Aviva was? I, like... It's, like, maybe, maybe if this girl had had literally any other single person in her life looking out for her and taking care of her, she wouldn't have needed to get support from a sorceress who was trapped in a mirror. Seriously. So, uh, she tells, uh, Prue tells her that... Uh, she brought back their cat, and she's like, oh, and Jackie's like, oh, that's what she was keeping in the closet. You're lucky she didn't sacrifice it. She's She does black magic, and she worships the devil, and, you know, she's always lighting candles and wearing dark makeup. And I'm like, oh, huh, I wonder why a teenager who feels powerless in her life turned to the occult as a way of feeling like she could affect things that would be nominally out of her control. Oh, uh, let's also break down what happens in this scene. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in this scene is, Jackie says, but there's nobody to take care of Aviva. Who even are you? And Prue's answer is, we just met her yesterday. She found our cat. And Jackie's response to, oh, my niece who I theoretically care about and I'm trying to take care of is staying with a woman she met less than 24 hours ago because she has no one. But her response is, yeah, that kid is evil. Oh, God. I really hope Aviva's okay after this episode. Right? Ugh. So, meanwhile, Andy has been stood up. You're right, because remember, Prue was supposed to meet him for lunch. You know what? 
who really is not in this relationship right now. Yeah, yeah, I was 100% against Andy at the beginning of the episode, but you know what, I'm kind of see where he's coming from. It's What's funny is when you see Andy storm out of Quake, because Prue clearly doesn't care, normally this would be, normally in a, in a film, in, in a story structure, in, in a normal story structure, this would be followed by Prue running into him and being like, wait, no, or, or remembering that she was supposed to meet him or anything, but no, we just cut to Prue snooping around in Aviva's room. Mm. Yeah. She finds the closet where Aviva was keeping Kit, and also it's got all of, it's got Aviva's altar, essentially. Yeah. And Prue's like, oh no, this is definitely disturbing and scary, even though that's what your attic looks like. Seriously. Calm down. So she finds Aviva's diary and quickly flips to the correct page. Well, I, to be fair, Aviva was writing in the diary when everything went down, so the pen is stuck in that page. Yeah. And it says, Callie says we're close to taking down the Hallowell Coven. I just hate lying to them. Because she doesn't want to lie to them. She's being manipulated. Maybe if anyone in her life was looking out for her, she would realize that she had an option other than the mayor. I mean, Callie. That was a reference to Faith from Buffy, who also had no one looking out for her and fell in with a giant snake demon. Yeah, I think sort of the subtext to a lot of these characters is people need support systems. What's weird is I feel like I feel like shows don't always know that. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of in-universe blaming of Faith for not reaching out. What was she supposed to do? Her watcher turned out to be evil. And then her next watcher was Wesley Wyndham Price. Girl never had a chance. Well, her fir- well, her first watcher got killed. By Kakistos. Oh, God. She has the worst luck. Yeah, and she had to have been a slayer for, like, what, four months when that happened? The Watchers really are the worst villains of Buffy. That's why I like the last season, because the last season really... Blows them up. Yeah. But but also blows them up both literally, but also figuratively when it's like, oh, wait, these guys are not the good guys in this story. So Prue gets out her giant ass cell phone to warn the sisters about Aviva, who is... I mean, she doesn't really warn them. She's just like, I'm on my way home. Don't let her out of your sight. And then Aviva's like, hey, I'm going to go upstairs to my room out of your sight, okay? And Phoebe's like, cool beans. What's weird is it looks like she's running away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get what that's about. She grabs her bag and she runs out of the room. And it seems like she's running away. But the next time we see her, she has her stuff set up in her room. So... I think she just had her witch stuff in her bag or... No, no, I'm sorry. It took me four or five watchings of this to realize what happened. She grabbed her bag with her witch stuff, yes. Yeah. And went from the room she was staying in to Prue's room. Uh, she set up her witch stuff in Prue's room. Okay. Okay. So Leo's like, all right, I've got everything almost all set up. Uh, so are you banging that high schooler upstairs or what's going on? And Phoebe's like, what? And he's like, I mean, it's cool if you are, which... It's not! It's, it's not. And instead of being like, um, no, I'm not having sex with a child, which I feel like should be your response phoebe phoebe's like i'm not gay and 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 also not only i'm not gay which is fine whatever she's not but also she's like oh did piper tell you that because she has mental issues 
Ooh. Yeah, overall, their courting of Leo is not unproblematic. Hmm. Yeah, she's like, Piper says weird stuff when she's on her medication. Yep. Yep. Get prepared for more of this when neighbor Dan rolls around. I, it's something I'm glad gets dropped later. Well, the feuding goes on. Is it as... Is it as... I, I don't think it's as... Problematic? Although, it's been a while since I've watched the neighbor Dan stuff, so... So maybe. So, Aviva is resummoning Callie. She's getting ready to fight Prue, I guess? Yeah, right. She's going to take over Prue's place. Yeah, her plan is to take Prue's place. So downstairs, Phoebe is talking to Leo, and then she has a premonition. She has a premonition of Aviva throwing a ball of fire at Prue when Prue walks into her bedroom. So Phoebe runs upstairs, opens Prue's door, and when Aviva goes to throw a fireball at her, she has, like, a hoodie in her hand, and she, like, blocks the fireball with her hoodie. I like it. I really like the just practicalness of her catching the fireball in the hoodie and then pulling it tight to extinguish the fire. Like... It, it's a really good... I, I like it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we do see a couple of this and one other time Phoebe doing practical things because, remember, her power is not active. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aviva freaks out and runs out of the house and is obviously upset. Because even though this was a very handy way of handling that, uh, Phoebe got a little burn. Yeah, but I think she's also upset because she doesn't really want to hurt the girls. Oh, yeah, definitely. So downstairs... Piper and Prue are back, and Phoebe's treating her burn with an ice pack because it's just a first-degree burn. She's fine. Yeah, Leo's like, oh, weird, how did that happen? And Phoebe's like, oh, uh, my sweater caught fire on one of Aviva's candles. And Leo's like, huh, be neat if there was some sort of magic person who could heal that up for you. Oh, well, bye. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's just a first-degree burn. It's fine. So... Phoebe says to Prue, you were, you were right, Aviva is evil. And Prue's response is, no, you were wrong then when I said Aviva was evil, but you're also wrong now because she's not evil, she's being manipulated. The important thing is that you are wrong, Phoebe. Even when you came around to my side, you continued to be wrong somehow. You were so wrong that you agreeing with me made me wrong, except I was right then. Uh, so Aviva's back at her house packing her shit because she's just going to take off. And when Callie comes back, Aviva's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. You made me hurt Jackie. You made me hurt Phoebe. I do not like this. Yeah, I, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of fireballing people in the face. Like, you're making me do bad things. And Callie's like, okay, I understand you're a little honked off because I told you to murder someone. Look, I, if you want me to go away... I'll go away, but first, why don't why why don't we hold hands just yeah. a little bit? She's like, just touch the mirror to say goodbye first. And honestly, it's kind of on Aviva now. I mean, <laughs> come on. I've been defending her this whole episode because she's a child and she's in a bad place and she's being manipulated. But don't touch the mirror, girl. Don't touch the mirror. As soon as she does, she gets possessed by Callie. Yeah. Which you can tell because now she has the contact lenses that Callie had before, making her eyes red and yellow. So the girls look up Callie in the Book of Shadows. Oh, the Book of Shadows! Yeah, and 
it turns out that Callie is an evil sorceress who got trapped in a mirror dimension, and that she finds young mortals, imbues them with her powers, and then uses her and then uses them as ways to infiltrate covens to steal the power of the covens. This research is interrupted by Aviva bursting into the room. They literally found out just as much information as they needed to know, and in comes Aviva possessed by Callie. And you can tell she's possessed by Callie not just because of the eyes, but also because she's got like the vocal modulation. And I like, for a second, Aviva breaks through and is like, I'm in here still, please help me. And then she flips back to Callie and goes, never mind, I'm fine now. <laughs> it's great. It's it, it's I, a great little piece of humor. To... I genuinely laughed at an intentionally funny moment in Charmed. I think this might be the first time that has happened. Yeah. So the book also told them before Aviva slash Callie burst in that the only way to stop her is when she's in her mirror form. To shatter the reflection. Yeah, they can't hurt her when she's inside of someone. Now, I really like their solution. They have Piper freeze Aviva because Callie will freeze, but Aviva, who is a good witch, will still be able to move. Yeah, yeah. Funny that. And then Prue telekinetically, as soon as they freeze Callie out of Aviva... Uh, Prue telekinetically throws Callie into a mirror, and Phoebe grabs a fire poker and smashes the mirror, destroying Callie. Yeah, and I like this because, again, since Phoebe doesn't have an active power, the way that they solved this particular problem was, Piper used her power, Prue used her power, Phoebe used a fire poker. And, again, uh, one of the things I like about early seasons, uh, the early season Charmed, is the more creative vanquishes. This isn't just them reciting a couplet until someone explodes. I really, really like the freezing Callie so that Aviva would just walk away and Callie would still be there. I like that way of depossessing her. Yeah. They never use that again. Also, Aviva's a witch. Like... Yeah, okay, so that brings us into the next scene where Aviva is now wearing, like, tasteful nude makeup like the girls wear instead of her goth makeup. And also she borrowed one of Piper's outfits, so now she's wearing that. I mean, it's still kind of black, but... It's like a dark maroon. The goth look was better for you, Aviva. It's fine. She talks about how she's kind of nervous around mirrors now. Which, good, because you are actually a witch and it's good to have a healthy respect of mirrors. And Phoebe says, you don't have to worry, that demon's gone. Which, Callie, wasn't a demon? I I think they might have referred to her as a demon sorceress. They did not. When they were looking in the Book of Shadows, I I took note. They did not call her a demon. But Aviva also says she's going to miss being a witch. Which, no, you're still a witch. That's why the freezing didn't work on you. I'm... She's obviously a witch. I, I have nothing more to say other than she's obviously a witch. But Phoebe's also like, hey, being a teenager's hard, because it is. And, you know, we can still take care of you because we still care about you. And, and maybe, like, you can be like a little sister to us. And you can show up from episode to episode. And we can help you develop your powers. And you can... No, they don't say any of this. Yeah. Phoebe's like, look, your aunt's going to be out of the hospital tomorrow. And your mom's going to be out of rehab soon. So... I'm sure that nothing bad will happen to you now, but you're not going to tell anyone about us, right? And Aviva's like, nah, it's our little secret. Besides, I'm never showing up ever again. You don't have to worry about me. I worry about Aviva. Yeah, we're all very worried about Aviva. That may have sounded sarcastic, but it's not. Yeah. So final scene of the episode, Prue is 
has driven over to Andy's house and is begging for forgiveness because of the three times in one episode that she stood him up. And Andy's being, again, he's being kind of whiny, but it's also understandable. He's like, look, I thought we had our relationship defined. I thought we were past the stupid defining relationship part of our relationship. That was like the whole first four episodes of the show. I can't keep doing this. Honestly, this has nothing to do with defining the relationship. Like, do you want to be with him or not? Make a choice, Prue. Like, you can't keep standing this guy up. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm a cop. I don't have a ton of free time. Like, If anyone should be being called out for matters of life and death, it should be the homicide cop, not, not the antiquities curator. Yeah. Not the woman who works at an auction house. You work with... Yeah. But, look, if you don't want to date me, that's fine. We cannot date. But I can't be half in and half out of a relationship. And Prue's like, it's not you, Andy. It's me. I'm dealing with something. And he's like, it doesn't matter if it's not me, it's you. It matters if you have room for a relationship or not. He also tells her, because she says that she... You know, it's something she can never talk about. And he's like, well, that's really sad because if you can never talk about this thing, it's going to be really hard on you. Which I think is important because we talked earlier about how, in, in previous episodes, about the weird way that Andy and Prue's relationship seem to have been shot out of order. Mm-hmm. But to jump ahead to what we usually do on this show, that's going to lead directly into the next episode. You mean the truth is out there and it hurts? Yes. The truth is out there and it hurts. And the Netflix description of that episode is Prue casts a 24-hour truth spell in order to determine whether Andy will still be attracted to her if he finds out she's a witch. Hey, isn't that the sort of thing that you're not supposed to do because of personal gain? That sounds a lot like personal gain to me. Eh. All right. Personal gain is really more of a guideline. It's like the prime directive that way. All right, so I think we're, uh, we've reached the end of the episode, and I have to say, I think this is probably my favorite episode of season one. I know we're only seven episodes in, there's still a lot to go. Uh, this isn't a Buffy situation where there was only 13 episodes, we've got a full 22. Yes. But I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yes, I'm definitely in favor of this episode. I mean, it was firing on all cylinders, good acting, good writing, I guess those are the two cylinders. The cinematography was fine. <laughs> the director was fine. It, it was fine. He, he did his job. So, our segments. Yes, that will take us to our segments. Our first segment, Precognition, where we look into the future and see what actors will become famous in the future. Or, in this case, will be more uncharmed in the future. Yeah, this one is totally cheating, but this week the premonition actress is... Rebecca Balding, who played Aunt Jackie, who will show up later to be Phoebe's boss, Elise, for several episodes. Yes, and if you look into the past, if we do a little post-monition, she was also on the short-running but highly rated soap. Was two years? Is that short-running? I don't know. I feel like it it was on I I would call it groundbreaking. Because of Jody, the gay character played by Billy Crystal. Yeah, but it, I feel like it, yes, that was groundbreaking in that way. But I feel like it was important in other ways, too. But yeah, she was on Soap. She was, she also had a lot of, like, two episode runs on a lot of shows. She's one of those, she's one of those actresses. You will recognize her from stuff. Our 
our next segment is time freeze what specifically dates this episode video stores right oh my god there's so much to choose from okay so the video store obviously that's a big one also i didn't bring this up when we were recapping the episode but when they hang up the flyers for kit for kit for their missing cat the flyer has their phone number on it and it doesn't have an area code because you didn't used to have to put the area code on your phone number i remember that i remember the first time i became aware of oh you have you have to put the area code. I I didn't know I was two hundred three for a very long time. Yeah. Also, and I did bring this up when we were watching it. The weirdly anti witchcraft stuff with Aunt Jackie that definitely felt very nineties. I mean, yeah, she's a teenage girl. Of course, she's gonna go through a witch phase, right? And of course, Prue's giant giant cell phone. Oh yes, of course. I'm surprised she didn't defeat Callie by just throwing that thing at her. It's a brick. And then our last segment, telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode? So, and I mean, this has moved me in a bad way, but I just felt so heartbroken for Aviva after her first encounter with the Hallowell sisters when she was talking to Callie and she's like, I don't understand why they don't like me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there is a lot of telekinesis in this. They did... Uh, I want them... I, I wish they had brought Aviva back. She's such a good character. We'll just have to write some Aviva fan fiction. Apparently so. So I guess that will about do it. Yeah, I guess that's it for this episode. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to become a supporter, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or if you want to talk about any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.